You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast. My voice is all over the place today because I caught my second bout of COVID. So it's a bit, all I've got is what feels like a cold, but my voice comes and goes and I've been putting off doing this podcast for about six days going, I'll wait till my voice is better, but I don't think it's going to get that for a while. So I'm doing it imperfectly because that's okay. It's all right not to do things perfectly. So I'm I'm showing you that that's okay by doing it myself. So today I wanted to talk to you about growing a team because I think sometimes we wait too long to grow a team. I know I did. And I definitely wouldn't say I'm an expert at this. This isn't something that I teach necessarily, but it's something that I've managed to get right by doing things a bit differently to how I've seen other people grow teams. But I didn't have a team for much longer than I should have if we're going to be honest about it, because I was a bit scared. If I think back now to like a year and a half ago when I had no team at all, I had got to a position where really I should have been hiring a team, but I was scared that what if I delegate and they don't do it as well as me, which I get now I look back is a really stupid thing to think because of course, they're going to do things better than you. <laughs> this is their job. That's their zone of genius. But we always think, you know, they don't, they won't understand how we do it, but they will. And I was worried as well that what if I have people come into the business and just like copy everything and go and do it themselves? Because I'd had that with clients. So I was a bit worried that they'd see everything behind the scenes. And that's a terrifying thought, you know, somebody seeing every single thing behind the scenes. But I had got to this position where the only person that I'd hired since I started five years ago was a tech VA and they were self-employed. So I'd hire them for a few hours a day and they'd go or a few hours a week sometimes. That was the very first person that I hired and they would go and do the bits that they needed to do. And they'd tell me if they needed a few more hours to do it. And I would just pay them for what they're doing. But I do think that I got to a point where, although my tech VA was brilliant, because she was self-employed, she was working for more than just me. And I got to a point where sometimes I just, I work really quickly. One of the things that I'm known for is having an idea and executing it within two days and it being out there in the market within a week. And I couldn't do that because I'd have to tell my tech VA who would then say, okay, well, I can do that in two and a half weeks time because I've got a lot on at the moment. And so it just wasn't working for me anymore, although it had been working okay up until that point. Even that, if I'm honest about it, even getting a tech VA at the beginning was scary because I couldn't afford it at the beginning. And I'd read everywhere that you have to start outsourcing before you can afford it. And I was like, but that doesn't make sense. But actually, it does make sense because if you're doing all the things, you're not spending time on the thing that you're best at. And so, of course, it makes sense. I remember the first time I did a sales funnel, it took me, I reckon, four days to properly understand it and keep looking at YouTube videos and try and get it worked out. And then the second time I did it, I gave it to my tech VA who did it in an hour. So, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to spend four days on something that takes somebody else an hour that I could just pay for. So even though I couldn't afford it at the beginning, it made sense to 
going to the red for it because I knew it would make me grow quicker and it would make my company grow quicker. And so we got to this point where it was me, it's tech VA that I used every now and again. And then I realized that we had hit seven figures in the business and it was still just me and a, a self-employed tech VA. And people had been telling me for ages, I needed to take people on. But I still had that fear. But I thought, you know, I've got to get over it. So I tried to first recruit in the usual way. So like, okay, maybe I need an assistant first. And so I put an ad out. I think it went on Indeed and a couple of other sites. And I put it on my social media. And I tried to recruit that way. And it didn't really work. We hired two people. And they were employees. I knew I wanted employees because I knew that if you have an employee that only works for you, they're going to be a lot more invested in your business than somebody that has a self-employed business and works for six other people at the same time. So I got somebody in and the person I got in, even though she was, this was her only job, she did just see it as a job and she, you know, it didn't matter if there were things that needed to be done, if she wasn't in her working hours, that was it, you know, down tools and go and she she wouldn't be able to finish it. And it's such a weird job, you know, in an online business world, because it just doesn't work like that. It's, there's stuff that sometimes you're going to be really busy for a whole week. And sometimes you can have a whole week off pretty much and not have to do anything and still get paid for it. But this person that I first hired didn't want to work that way. It was like, I am doing my four hours a day. No, I'm walking away. So it was tricky. And so I thought, well, this isn't the way to hire people. But also, to be fair to her, I was probably a really rubbish boss with no boundaries. You know, she became my friend instead of my employee. And so she would spend two hours talking to me about her boyfriend and that kind of thing, and her dating. And I really wanted to say, look, I, we really need to get on and do some work. But I didn't because I didn't want to be that person. Because I had no boundaries back then. This was like 18 months ago, two years ago. And so I knew that probably wasn't the right fit, but also that I needed to get clearer on what I actually wanted. Because I see lots of people take on BAs and PAs and say, oh, she just, she needed me to teach her too much. And it took more of my time telling her what to do. And of course, it's going to do that in the beginning because they're not mind readers. And I think sometimes we say things like, I had a PA and she didn't really do all the things I wanted her to do, but we're not setting any expectations or any KPIs for that person. And yet we expect them to just be this magical person that does everything we want. So I do think half the time it's our fault as business owners um, when we get this wrong and we blame it on the PA or on the assistant. So I then thought, okay, this isn't working for me. I'm going to find a different way of doing things. And one day I was just looking through all of the people in my audience, I'm realizing that there were so many people that were doing brilliant things that I wasn't doing in my business because I wasn't very good at it and they were really good at it. So for instance, that was about the time I started watching Zoe, who's my operations manager. And every time Zoe put something on, she'd do like, oh, I've just done this pivot table or I've just done this really cool thing that works out the metrics of what you need for a launch. And I'm sitting here going, I don't do any metrics. I really need to sort out my metrics. I need to hire someone for that. And then I'd see like somebody else doing social media and saying, these are the four social media posts that I did last week and why I did them because they were teaching social media. And I'd be like, I wish that person worked for me. And I suddenly had this light bulb moment that 
Maybe I was doing things wrong. And maybe the actual right way is to try and hire people from my audience. And so I started just keeping my eyes open for people that were good at the things that I didn't want to do. And then I also started thinking, well, hold on a minute. I've got family that are working for other people doing really good things. So my sister was on, she'd just finished maternity leave at the time, but my sister had been a graphic designer her entire life. She was brilliant at graphic design. She was really good at making things look good. She was really good at just getting things done as well. Like you tell her to do something and within five minutes, it would always be done. And she's a mucker in her. She'll just do whatever needs doing at the time. And so I said to her, do you want to work for me instead? She was a bit like dubious at first, like I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do. But I eventually persuaded her and took her on. So she became my employee doing all my graphic design. She'd do all the workbooks for my courses. She would make things look great. And she started doing some social media posts for me because she had my voice. She, you know, we've been best friends, me and my sister for for 40 years. So she knew my exact voice. So when she, when she just would listen to me say something, then she'd write a post about exactly how I'd said it and put it on social media. And everyone thought I'd written it because it sounded exactly like me. And so I was like, okay, I've got somebody for that now. And then I realized the more I was doing more and more work and we were doing these big launches, you know, 300, 400,000 pound launches. I was like, I'm going to plateau if I don't take on somebody who is my right-hand person. And I'd been watching Zoe for ages. And so I thought, I'm just going to ask her. We didn't really know each other, but everything she was putting on social media was something that I wanted in my business. And I knew she had a business and I knew her business was taking off really well as well. So I was like, oh God, you know, if I leave it another year, she is going to be having a business as well as as good as mine. (laughs) So I'm not doing that. And so I just texted her and I said, hey, and it was just before the pandemic started. And I said, would you ever consider giving up your business to work for me? And there was like this silence. And then she said, I'm really flattered. Let me think about it. And she thought about it. And actually what I didn't know right then is that she had been thinking how actually she she likes being an employee and that she doesn't necessarily need to be the face of anything. She just likes doing really good work. It doesn't matter whether that really good work is for her business or for my business. She just really likes to excel and be the best at what she does. So she eventually said yes. And we negotiated terms and all that kind of thing. And then the pandemic hit. And my first thought was, oh no, everybody's now not taking on people. Maybe I'm doing this at the wrong time. But then I thought, no, my business still has to grow. I have to start taking risks to to make sure my business does still grow during a pandemic. And so we went ahead with it and I took Zoe on and we've never looked back. It's been the best decision in my business that I've made. And so then I started doing that all the time. So if I saw somebody that was doing really good things in their business and they had a skill that I needed in mine, even if they weren't doing the exact thing in their business, but I saw the skill, then I would invite them to work for me. And it worked. You know, I, my husband started being my copywriter because he was doing all this copywriting stuff for others. And I was like, what's happening here? Like, well, come work for me. And he has his own business as well. And then Sandra, who is my client concierge, she's just such a calm, 
manner about her and she's a very fair person. And so I was like, she would be brilliant in the business. And that continued to happen. So Kira, who is our membership manager at the moment, she came on board because she was helping. She actually came and interviewed for a completely different job. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, she needs to be front facing. And so I knew she'd be brilliant as a membership manager. And then Ange, Ange had her own business. She still has her own business that she works with her husband. But the main thing that made me want Ange to work for me is that all of the posts, the marketing posts that she was putting out for her own business were things I wish I'd said. It was all about integrity. It was all stuff that I absolutely love. And I was thinking, oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. And then I thought, hmm, marketing manager. And so now Ange works here too. And so there was a way that we did it that isn't how normal people, I suppose, hire people, but that's why it's really worked. And I've never regretted one of those hires. They've all been brilliant hires. The main thing I look for as well is attitude to the business. Uh, Because as an employee, the attitude has to be more important than what they know. Because you can teach people anything. You can't teach them to care about your business. And they all did. So that's how I found everybody. But there have been a few things that have made it work since we've got this team now of we've just taken on my best friend since I was 14, Hazel. Hazel is a brilliant accountant, brilliant finance person. She's been working in a normal job, a nine to five for her whole life and started to help a few people in their businesses on the side with their accounting. And I thought, I'm constantly asking finance people questions. What if I had my own finance person that can help me with all the money side of things? And it was a no brainer. So I asked Hazel and she came on board. And so now we're growing really quickly. We have new people coming on. So like every two or three months, but every single hire, it helps with the, with the revenue that I'm bringing in and that they're bringing in now. So it's all been worthwhile. And yes, of course, when you take on more stuff, your profit margin is going to go down. But we were very lucky that as a business, we had such high profit margins to start with that we could afford to take on staff and have a bit of a, a dip in the profit. I think we went from about 88%, 90% profit to something like 78% profit, which I'm very happy with, you know. I'd rather do less and know that I have a team helping me to scale my business and make less money because I don't, I want a freedom business. You've got to remember that my entire why is to have a business of freedom and where I'm not working all the time. And the only way you can do that is to take the right people on. So a few things that have made it work since I've suddenly had a team, you know, we've grown from, from nothing to nine people in the space of about 18, 19 months. The first thing I do is I allow mistakes. I think it's a a really important thing to say to your employees, you can make as many mistakes as you want. Nothing bad will happen if you make a mistake in this business. Because otherwise, people are scared to do things. They're scared to experiment. They're scared to put new ideas in. Um, They'll just do what you tell them to do. And I didn't want that. I wanted people that saw things and went, why, how about if we do this differently? And, you know, they might get it wrong sometimes and that's okay, but I'd rather they tried and got it wrong because every now and again, they're going to come up with something brilliant that is completely right. And if you don't allow people to make mistakes, they're never going to do that. So we have a really open culture of 
you know, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. You just say, hey, that didn't work. Or, hey, I just did this really silly thing. I sent out this email and I made a mistake on it. And that's it. It's done. And it means that people own up to things and there's no hiding culture because there's no consequence if you make a mistake. So you may as well just own up to it and learn from it. And then we can all learn from each other's mistakes as well, which is always good. One of the other things I did right from the beginning is I didn't want to have holiday provision. It's not been that long since I was an employee. Like six years ago, seven years ago, I was an employee in a big bank and I would have to sit there between nine o'clock in the morning and five o'clock. And it didn't matter if I had work to do, I'd still have to sit there. And if I wanted to go on holiday, I would have to check that I could even go on holiday. And then secondly, I would have to have enough of my 20 days to go on holiday. And it was the thing that I hated most about being an employee is that if I wanted to just go work somewhere else, I wasn't allowed because they would class it as holiday. Even though I could still do my job from a computer somewhere sunnier, I wasn't allowed to do it. And so one of the things we said right from the beginning is you can go on holiday as much as you want. I don't really care. As long as the work is done or you've handed over the work to somebody else in the team to do, you can go on holiday. I don't care if you spend half the year on holiday as long as the work gets done. And actually what it's done is it's meant that they haven't gone on holiday enough. And so we're now having to push them to take holiday because when you know you can, there's not such a big oh, I I must take my 20 days kind of thing, because you can know you can go whenever you like anyway. But it's worked really well not having holiday provision. And also, I don't mind when people work. So people have said to me before, doesn't it bother you that XX person who is your employee, you can see on her Instagram that today she's been cooking or she's been going out with her friends and she's been doing this. I don't care. I don't really care when people work. I know that some people work better in the evening from five to 11. I know that I work better from six o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock in the morning. If I work the rest of the day, it doesn't really matter because everything's already been done in the morning. So I'm also not one of those people that was ever going to be bothered about when people work. To me, it's as long as the job gets done and it gets done really well. And everybody who works for me does things really, really well, but they all kind of have really different times that they work. And some of them work really crazy for three days and then, you know, are much more chilled out for two days. And that's okay too. It, you know, what works for them is, is what they should do. So I really didn't want someone sitting at their computer, not having enough to do, because when we launch, they're all going to be working till midnight. And so if it means that they're not working as hard the rest of the time, I don't really mind. That's the kind of environment that we work in. And then other things we did is we have bonuses for launches and not just for the people that are involved in the launch, because we're all in it together. So even though someone's not necessarily directly involved in our biggest launch each year, they will still have done something to work towards it. They might have taken the slack off, you know, me and Zoe when we're working really hard towards the launch, they might've done some other things for us. So it's all part and parcel. So we do have like a really generous bonus structure. We also, I make sure that everyone feels part of a team because I win lots of affiliate prizes. So if I'm an affiliate for somebody else, I generally win prizes. I think this year I've won three iPads, lots of different things like Tiffany necklaces, you know, lots of things. And I do get sent quite a lot of things in the post as well, like gifts and things like that. And I share them out between the team. These aren't things that I won and the team won them 
because I wouldn't be able to do the affiliate launch if it wasn't for the whole team. And so it's just seeing things in a different way, seeing that this is a whole team thing. And that's why we have weekly meetings as well, like online meetings. Some of my my employees have probably seen twice in total in their life (laughs) because we do everything on Zoom. So we have weekly meetings. We speak to each other every day in Slack, all of us. And we see each other on Zoom once a week. And that's so that people can talk about what's happening, what's happening in their life, what's happening in their part of the business. What are they having trouble with? How can anyone else help? And also so that we're working towards the same goals. It's really important that everyone in the business knows where you're going to, what you're trying to get to and why and how you do things. And it's why our integrity culture is so ingrained because we talk about it so much on the weekly meeting. So having like a form of communication is really key. And then training. If somebody wants to do some training that is going to help them or is going to help the business, I'm always happy to pay for it because it will only affect the business better. And I think it's a real false economy to go, we can't afford training. We can't afford to give you a mindset coach. It's exactly what we should be doing because it means they will be better at their jobs, which will help your business. Things that have been hard as it's grown. I have found it harder to keep everyone in the loop. I'm very, very used to just me and Zoe knowing everything that's going on. And so because it grew really quickly, I sometimes make quick decisions and I forget to tell anyone else. And so then they'll be like, what's happening next? What's this thing that you're launching next week? (laughs) Or you're doing a podcast with what? And they don't know because I've forgotten to tell them. So I'm getting better at it. I'm always trying to remember you can't make quick decisions anymore. And if you do, you have to make sure the whole team knows because they're the ones that are going to be executing it. So that's one thing I've found just difficult to remember to do. But having these weekly meetings is helping. We try and do quarterly meetings where we all actually get together in person. We did one in London in Q4 last year. We all get together in person. But what I found is I'm not very good energy-wise talking about my business for a whole day. And I think it's because I love talking about other people's businesses for a whole day. So I can do a strategy day with somebody else and be really excited about their business because it's new to me and I can see all the gaps and I really want to help. When we do that for my business, I get bored very quickly and I get told off by Zoe and Ange because I'm not focused when it comes to that. By about two o'clock, I'll be like, should we go? Should we go to the Shard? Should we go out to dinner? Should we go and do something fun? They're like, we need to get this done and then we'll do that. So I just need to get better at just concentrating for a whole day. (laughs) It's just the way my mind works isn't good with that kind of thing. But luckily I have people who are really good at that. And so they keep me on track because it can't all be just me telling everybody else what to do. (laughs) It's really good having a team who also tell you what you need to do better with. Things that we're doing differently this year, we are adding in KPIs. So we've always kind of told everyone, right, what we'd love you to do is this. But what we're going to do now is actually sit down and work out, like these are your key performance indicators. You will know if you're doing your job really well, if these things are met, whether that's growing an Instagram by 500, growing an email list, we make this much money, we have less people defaulting on their payments. So there'll be real KPIs that people can actually, because I think it's really unfair for people who are your employees to not know if they're doing things well. 
Um, and it's really hard for them to know if it, because I'm not a big talker. If you don't hear from me, it usually means you're doing things brilliantly as an employee. I'm not somebody that's very good at constantly being in communication going, yeah, this is good. This is really good. <laughs> so if they have targets that they can set themselves against, they'll know themselves if they're doing well or not. So I think it's really important to have them. We're also going to have appraisals. We haven't really done appraisals up until now, but now the team is growing bigger. I think it's really important too. So that if they want to get anything off their chest or they're not happy with anything, you know, it's a two-way street. And the biggest thing we're doing this year is by the end of Q1, when we've done our biggest launch, I would like all team members to have gone down to a four-day week. It doesn't mean they're going to get paid any differently. They're still going to get paid full-time as if they're doing five days. But I think it would be really good to have a better work-life balance. And I know that work-life balance means a different thing for everybody. But I think that it's important in a business that talks about freedom that employees get freedom too. I've been working a four-day week for a long time and it's not fair for me to do it and not try and get to a point where everybody can do it too. So hopefully, I'll let you know how it goes, but hopefully by the end of March, we will be at that point where we can work a four-day week. What else am I doing this year? Oh, I've asked everybody in the team to write their SOPs. A SOP is a standard operating procedure. And it's basically a sort of manual that you write or record a video on with how you do everything you do. So that if you get run over by bus or if you just decide to leave one day, somebody else can take over what you do. Because in my business right now, people are literally making their own jobs. They're not standing in somebody else's job that had it before and learning what that person before did. What they're doing is looking around and going, what can we do better? How can I make this company better? And then they find things and they put procedures in place. And so we need them written down. We need them somewhere so that everybody else knows that as well. We need to know exactly what people do. So that's a big thing for me this year. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of give you an overview of what's been happening with growing the team because I know it's gone really quickly and suddenly I have this big team and it does for the first time ever this year feel like a real proper company because there's procedures and there's structures and there's you know I can't just make stuff up and do it <laughs> it has to go through a team and when we talk on our weekly meetings like everybody has something to say from their part of the business which is really nice to hear and it's not stuff I know about and that's weird because I'm so used to being the person that does everything you know I'm the marketing person I'm the sales person I'm the deliverer I'm the client concierge and now it's not like that anymore. You know, I'm not the finance person anymore. That can go too hazel. So it's really nice. But if you're just starting to grow your team, you're like, I don't even know what I would outsource, what I would give to somebody. There's, I, there's been me for so long that I'm not even sure. The way I would start to do that is to write down every single task you do for the next week and just write it all down and how long it took. So if you're like, oh, I just put a social media post on, how long did that take? Or, oh, I just did the accounting for the week. You know, I just did the bookkeeping. Write down how long that took. And then at the end of the week, go through everything and put a pound sign or two pound signs or three pound signs next to each task to say like, if it's something like I cleaned the office, put a one pound sign next to it. 
because that wouldn't cost very much for you to give to somebody else to do. If it's like a bookkeeping, maybe put like two pound signs next to it. If it's like delivery, actually delivered coaching, then put three pound signs next to it because that's going to be your biggest cost if you've got somebody else to do it. And then decide, well, everything with a one pound sign on it, can you get somebody in to do all of those things? And what is the person that could do those things? And that will let you know what who your first hire needs to be because it might not be a tech VA. It might not be an ops person or an OBM. It could be all different types of people that you need just to be able to get things done. So write it down, know what you're actually doing and then make the decision. I think I'll leave you there because I could ramble on about this for ages, but I feel like I've, I've said enough for one day. And I will be back next week with another podcast episode. But if you've enjoyed this, do come to the Fabulous 5% and we will discuss in the thread in there about growing a team and what kind of things we need to think about. And I will speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.